Hey, brother. Hey, sister. Thanks for having me in your home today. Well, thanks for coming to my home today. You know, I every time I think about this, I think, who's going to say the first thing after, hey, brother, hey, sister? And it's usually me. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I don't have to think about what I'm going to say. And also, I think maybe one time I, I went after, hey, I think sister. there was one time. But you go back and forth. I, I You say, hey, brother. I say, hey, sister. And then you have to go. That's why I'm, and that's why we named it Hey Brother, Hey Sister. Yeah. I think we should add, and then you have to go. That's like our tagline. Hey Brother, Hey Sister, and then you, <laughs> and have, then you to have to go. then you have to go. It's your turn. <laughs> um, it's nice to be here. I will say this blanket's a little itchy. Oh, yeah. That's an itchy blanket. I wish you would have told me. Oh. I didn't think. I mean, you said you wanted to be warm. You didn't necessarily <laughs> say you wanted to be comfortable. Okay. Isn't the search for warmth inherently the search for comfort? Hmm. Then why do they make scratchy blankets? (laughs) Why wouldn't you just trash a a scratchy blanket? I mean, if I were fully covered head to toe in like, I don't know, a hazmat suit or a wetsuit, and then I had this blanket on, it would be fine. (laughs) Well, at that point, you wouldn't need a blanket. It's just a worthless blanket then, is what you're saying. uh, Well, true. Why do they make scratchy blankets? I, I, I think I like comfort, or especially um, in the past, I have liked comfort way more than most people. I think I need to be more comfortable than. Well, we've talked about the princess and the bee, but uh, comfort is a thing I've always searched for. And like, if I'm not comfortable, I'm not doing it. I didn't. <laughs> okay, I didn't know that about you, and this is really <laughs> interesting. But in what ways does that show up? Because. Okay, it actually leads well into my first topic. We're going camping this weekend, Mm -hmm. and I always felt like you were not a camper. Is that why? That's why. Bugs. I know it sounds weird. It sounds like I'm afraid of bugs, and I kind of am. But if I'm sitting on the front porch, and and there's a mosquito on my arm, and I hit it away, the next time there's a bug, I'm going inside. I don't care how nice it is out there. I don't care who else is out. I mean, I guess if everyone's out there, I'm not going to be the only one going inside like a weirdo. But I do not want to be uncomfortable. I don't want to feel like there's bugs all over me, even if it's only two. So what are the other factors of discomfort? Bugs being apparently a big one. Yeah. Um, chairs. <laughs> I've uh, Beth has made fun of me because I don't like to go to new restaurants because I'm not sure that the chairs are going to be comfortable. You are mom and dad. Yeah. You are our parents. Uh-huh. So you don't want to be uncomfortable. What if it's the best meal of your life? Um, I have changed my tune to comfort recently i realized there's more to life than being comfortable i think uh i I realized a few things in along the same vein which is you can't be comfortable enough to be happy like Mm -hmm. there's not like oh now i'm now i'm comfortable enough that i'm happy that's just that's not how it works Mm -hmm. and then also because a lot of times the times you're happiest are when you're not comfortable Mm -hmm. and then you also can't be lazy enough to be happy and i think those kind of go hand in hand. I wanted, I wanted to be lazy and comfortable, and now I realize that's not really what brings you happiness. So now you're into camping? Um, the last time we went, it was great. And I I told Beth, this is great. And I wrote down, that was great. I want to go camping again. It, I put it <laughs> on my goals list. Like, we're going to go camping every two weeks. Um, and it was just our family, which we don't we haven't done that very often, just us and the kids. And Charlie was really annoying at the time. She was one and a half just old enough to run off and go drown in the lake um, and just young enough to where she didn't understand, hey, don't go drown in the lake. Mm-hmm. So we had to like literally tie a leash to her and tie her tr- to a tree so that we could uh, 
I Actually, didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. So we could have some enjoyable time. Um, and But it was beautiful, and I like my family a lot. And it, there's something about, uh, in the book Deep Work that I read recently, um, they talk about a study where uh, they make people go on a hike through the woods before taking some test, some some mental test. And they, they people, the people always do better after going on a hike through the woods. And they even control for that by making a different group go on a hike through the city. And oh. they didn't do as good as the ones that go on a hike through the woods. So it's not necessarily just the physical activity. So uh, this book posits that there's something in nature that um, changes our brain and that relaxes our brain. And I, Oh, I absolutely believe I, that. I don't like the idea. I, that's something I've always fought against. I'm a city boy. Uh, Beth has always said like, "Oh, God, God's in nature," and I always made fun of her. <laughs> but I don't know, maybe there's something to it. Mm-hmm. She's uh, when you're in nature, and I've noticed that too when I'm, I'm studying for things, and I look out the window at the trees. It helps me relax and it helps me focus, and so I guess maybe it's real. Absolutely. I mean, I think yeah. In my personal experience, if I'm stressed out or overwhelmed or whatever, just a little jaunt around Turkey Mountain, and I'm a new person. Yeah, but the bugs. Well, and I guess it goes back to that you feel everything. Like, I don't notice bugs because I don't notice, like, I mean, if something's on my skin, I'm not going to immediately, like, zone in on it. But it sounds like you will because, like we previously talked about, you're a highly sensitive person. Have you? Do I look weird? Because I do this all the time when I'm outside. I'm licking my arms. I'm slapping things. I'm <laughs> flicking things off. Well, yeah, you look like you're tweaking, but I just, uh. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, I, it's also the same with temperature, that uh, the outside is never... The temperature at my house is always the perfect temperature. Outside uh, is never what I want. I'm currently wearing a blanket. I just want to remind well, you. You're maybe there's you're ultra sensitive. You're highly sensitive. <laughs> you're HSP. And no, uh, but that's one one of the things I like about uh, being inside as opposed to outside. But I like I said, I'm I'm becoming less sensitive. When you lower your expectations, you can be uh, you can be happier with whatever. You know what I mean? That's true. So camping. Your expectations are low. Exactly. Same. Here's what I... I was talking about camping recently. I was telling somebody what I was doing this weekend, which I feel like, yeah, we're city people. Mm -hmm. Beth is not, for sure. And our Boy Scout friend is not. Right. But I'm like very... I thrive... Can we call him our Boy Scout friend from now on? Yes. (laughs) You bet. Like, I'm very comfortable in a city. And even even that hike you were talking about through the city earlier, I was like, wow, that sounds cool. Uh Nice. I'm going to hike through a city. Yes. All all of the cities. Uh Um... And so camping is a little different for me, but, and I think also part of it, a big part of it is the sleeping part Mm -hmm. that I truly actually believe that when you go to sleep, when you're camping, you don't go to sleep. You just like close your eyes for hours. (laughs) Interesting. I don't, not, not me. You were actually asleep. I go out. I I always do. Every time I ever go to sleep, I'm out. I can't, I can't do anything else. I am either on or off. Do you ever think how weird it is? Have you ever been awake when everyone in the house is asleep? And you think, everyone's just unconscious in this house. Oh, creepy, no. Like, I'm the only one that has any consciousness, and they're all just laying. They're just just laying down. And breathing. And not, yeah, and breathing. And then they don't know that I exist right now. They don't know anything. I'm the only one in this house that knows anything. No. Isn't that weird? That is weird. Or like, if you're at camp and you wake, and there's a whole bunch of people sleeping in the thing, and you're like, there's a whole bunch of people just laying down here and turning their brains off. Isn't that, that's a weird thing. It is a very weird thought. But no, I just, I think like, I need to be quiet. I don't think they're not having any, they're not forming thoughts. Let's all go into, into a room. 
let's all go into our own rooms and turn our brains off for a while. <laughs> it's creepy. That's what we do. I think that's what we should call bedtime instead <laughs> now. Go into your rooms and turn your brains off. We can get Alexa to say that every day. Yeah. Instead of, okay, it's bedtime. Nope. Yeah. How about, did I tell you I have Alexa set to say things all day long? Never mind. <laughs> I have the A word set to say things all day long. And uh, one of them is, uh, it's, it's time to clean. We want mommy to come home and feel happy and relaxed. Uh, and that will happen if she comes home to a clean house. You know so what? let's clean. It's brilliant in a lot of reasons. One, because you guys have really reached smart house status. And I think that's respectable <laughs> in 2020. But also, you've put the why with it. Simon Sinek would be so proud yeah. of t- saying why. And I'll also have to say, I came in today and you were... Uh, laying down with your brain turned off unconscious. <laughs> right. And I felt happy and relaxed walking in because it was clean. It is very happy and relaxing walking into a clean house. I'm not mommy, but still it worked. Yeah, I, I made sure to teach my girls to clean. That was one of the things that we started at an early age. And Beth was like, why are we teaching them to clean at this point? They don't know what they're doing. They're like two. I'm like, they got to learn eventually. And let's do it now. So mm-hmm. it's not, it, at first it was a little bit of the fact that I was too lazy and it was just easier to make my kids clean. And they were the ones that made the mess in the first place. True. But um, also, I know that I'm training up a child and I, that whatever I teach them to do is what they're always going to do. I think it's good. Cleanliness is important. Is it next to godliness? It's next to God. That's in the Bible. It, I thought so. No, it's not. Oh, that's from an episode <laughs> of Seventh Heaven. <laughs> Literally, it's is a it? lesson that Ruthie learned. And I think they said that. And it was like, no, cleanliness isn't next to godliness. Wait, they actually said it was in the Bible? I don't think so yeah there weren't real christians working on that show (laughs) it's true anyway but i care very much about cleanliness and i like am relaxed by cleaning and i feel productive when i clean Mm -hmm. and actually sometimes i get annoyed with myself that i am so clean because then there's nothing to clean interesting yeah i have i look around and i'm like (laughs) i wish there was something dirty here so when you come over and do dishes then I should not, because I feel guilty every time. Like, you shouldn't. Oh, over here doing dishes. Well, partly because it's like, I feel like it's only fair. You cook dinner, and so I do dishes, or, you know, what I, I feel like there's a fairness to it. But also, yeah, I, I'm happy to do it. That's interesting. I, I'm, I do it much more happily now than I ever used to. But uh, with podcasts and audiobooks, it's even better. <laughs> I absolutely look for things. I, I now have a setting. I, man, I'm so domestic nowadays. I, uh, in my schedule that I, you know, I plan every minute of my day, mm-hmm. I have like an hour and a half to clean. That's um, a lot. Yeah. Well, I do laundry and I make, um, breakfast and lunch for the girls during that time as well. But, uh, it also, I can go do yard work. I can go fix things around the house and things like that. But if I have a really good audiobook or a really good podcast to listen to, I can, I can do that all day long. I'm, I'm okay with cleaning. Yeah. So I feel like cleaning kind of goes into, uh, perfectionism. I wanted to talk about perfectionism. Uh, let me, you, do you consider yourself a, a perfectionist? Well, it's not an easy answer because <laughs> let me tell you my history with it. That I, for probably 29 or 30 years of my life, would not have considered myself a perfectionist because hmm. by being a perfectionist, it means I'm not perfect. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when I heard that, I was like, no. No. I'm not a perfectionist. I can't be. Yeah, I would say it was definitely a struggle thinking of myself as being one. But now that I know that about myself, yeah, it's difficult to deny that I'm I'm a perfectionist. So the first step is accepting that you're a perfectionist. <laughs> yeah. 
And, and when did you accept that? Um, I think it's when I started learning about the Enneagram mm-hmm. that, yeah, as a one, I just tend to want things to be done perfectly. And I think that was really helpful for me to see all of the ways in which I was seeking perfection or trying to attain perfection. I mean, in literally everything to where before I would have just thought, oh, I'm working hard or I'm, you know, representing Christ well or whatever. But it's like, no, I was actually just trying to be perfect so or do it perfectly so what you said earlier assumes that perfectionism is not perfect i that you shouldn't a person should not act in a perfectionistic way well i think it's impossible is what it actually is Mm -hmm. is that we are incapable of being perfect Mm -hmm. and so by putting the pressure on ourselves and by putting just putting that possibility in our minds then it's it's cruel to ourselves i think actually interesting perfectionism is cruel but do you think it's a thing that you that it, you can change can you not be a perfectionist can you say you know what i'm gonna stop being a perfectionist i mean i think there's you know i think about like people who have personality dis- disorders who like literally can't walk by something crooked and not fix it so like there's some people who probably can't help it but for me yeah i would say i've made improvements in the perfectionism category so yeah but but i also think it goes back to thinking about why and thinking about okay you know why did i feel like that that needed to be better or you know and and also something that i learned when i learned the enneagram is that marginal improvement is not worth it that sometimes if i can get something to a 98 a 98 is okay and it is you know still very good and maybe better than anybody else's whatever like their b minus and for me, I'm like, oh my God, but it's not 100. I'm two points off. And it's like, you know what? The effort and the mental energy and the whatever, all the time and whatever it would take to get two more points is not worth it. Hmm. I'm still at an A+. plus. Yeah, that's a very good point. I've been uh, I've been thinking about, like I'd like to, I want to spend a lot of time doing, I, I want to be seen as prolific. I want people to go, wow, you worked a lot really hard on this and you did a really good job at this thing. And I kind of want to go overboard all the time. Which I guess is part of reading the 10x rule. After you read the 10x rule, you're going to want to over-deliver. I was looking at it over there. Yeah, he uh, he suggests that you over-promise and over-deliver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> extreme. Uh, so yeah, I've been I've been trying and thinking about over-delivering, and yeah, it's more like not giving 98%, giving 110%. Do you think that's good or bad? Um. I think there's a difference, really. I think those are two different things. Because perfectionism is doing everything absolutely perfectly. And that's I think that's different than over-delivering. Just giving a lot of effort. Right. Yeah. Cause it, and I think giving a lot of effort, you, I think you can, I, I can easily, and I, I do, and I have, I hope, uh, delivered 110%, 120% of what is expected of me. Yeah. Um, and it, maybe I don't deliver them perfectly, but the amount and... I go above and beyond and I'm extra creative and things like that, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is different than perfectionism. Perfectionism says every little detail has to be perfect, not necessarily even creative or better than someone else's. It just has to be perfect, which is a weird thing to think of that Mm -hmm. better than someone else's is worse than perfect, can be worse than perfect. Yeah. Oh, oftentimes. But I think that's also, um, that it's also a personality thing. That's who is judging. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Mm-hmm. Have I told you about the first time I played a gig with Beth? 
No. Uh, we had we got we played a wedding, and I played string bass and she played violin. And it, actually, I think it was just a reception. No, we played the wedding and the reception. But for the reception, uh, we played this music, uh, just duets, and it's easy stuff. And I didn't practice it very much. I and I hadn't played string bass in like a year. You also hadn't read the Ten X rule yet. I hadn't read the Ten X rule yet, and also my personality is not to get every note perfect. I don't, when I play, I don't, my goal is not to make every single note exactly like it's supposed to be and exactly as it's written. Um, At one point, my goal was just to get through everything without people thinking I was terrible. Um, But, but still my goal is not to get every note perfect. My, my goal is to make every note meaningful, is to make, uh, to deliver above and beyond in a way that is not absolutely perfect. It's, I'm not, I'm not making every note the right note. Every note doesn't have the perfect tone, but. Yeah. So, but Beth is not like that. Beth, uh, anytime I missed a note, she would give me a dirty look. <laughs> uh, afterwards, she complained about all, like she could point out every mistake that I made and the times that I got, and she was nice about it because we were, you know, we had been married for like a year, so she would still be nice to me back then. Oh, wow. <laughs> and now she knows she doesn't have to be nice to me. And it's much better. She's plenty nice to you. Uh, yes, but she knows that she can be honest with me. Um, whereas back then she was just like, I don't know. He's. She was. I think she was still intimidated by her first year of marriage. Um, but yeah. So I, I think uh, when I and still when I play violin for her because she's my violin teacher, um, she expects perfection. She's like mm, that. E was not a closed fourth finger, and actually that's one of the reasons we make a good team is because she looks for perfection and I look for meaningfulness. And if we have, if it's meaningful and perfect, then great. Yeah, couldn't be better. I think. Um the biggest well one of the biggest things that i've noticed about perfectionism in me is that it shows up basically by me not attempting things because i know i can't do them perfectly mm-hmm. so like the guitar like the guitar mm-hmm. of like i mean yeah that's been hard just to say like okay doesn't matter how bad it is just make a sound mm-hmm. yes does it bother me when how i can't play the c yes absolutely but it's like just go past it and just keep going and is it a self esteem thing because I, I feel like I have this on a different in a different way, but is it that if you can't be perfect, you think, well, look at me, I'm not perfect, and that's hurtful to you? That's That hurts your self-esteem? Potentially. What are the other options? Uh, okay, <laughs> why else would you not? Just because it's annoying? Like, I think that's another thing, too, is you don't... I don't want to try something if I'm not going to be good at it. I think there's a lot of people that have that point of view. I, I mean, that's it. It's that. But... But, I don't know that I consider it annoying. I don't know, maybe embarrassing. I think, and this is like a weird illustration, but I think about bowling. You know how I bowl, right? right. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't actually try mm-hmm. because if I actually tried and I was bad, mm-hmm. I don't want that. And so if I don't try and I'm accidentally good, which happens, you know, sometimes. Right. And then it's like, oh, look, I just wasn't even trying. Mm-hmm. Do you. Like, could we make a list of things you try at and things you don't try at? And yeah. you could put every single thing in your life into one of those lists? Probably. Yeah. Oh, and things that I just don't even attempt. Which is... I, yes, I realize, like, missing out on a, a lot of... There's failure as a teacher. Did I just make that up? There's what? Oh, the failure... Failure is a teacher. Failure is the greatest teacher. <laughs> Maybe that'll be a life-changing idea. I didn't make it up, but... Oh, yeah. I've got I've got quotes on failure if you want me to give you my, my quotes on failure. <laughs> Um, oh man, there's a John Maxwell, a whole book, a whole few chapters. No, 
There's like two books that he wrote about failure. I probably need to read them. Yeah, let's go over the John Maxwell failure books. Um, actually, I really want to find that. Hold on. Okay, I found a life-changing idea that has to do with failing. I think it's from the 10x rule. If you're not failing, you're not pushing your limits. And if you're not pushing your limits, you're not maximizing your potential. Mm. That's upsetting. Because, I mean, imagine a person who uh, all they ever do is one thing they're good at and they never try to do something else. They're never going to be as good as they could be. But they're, what if they're as good as they could be at that one thing? I uh, oh, oh, I really want to talk about that more, but now we're gonna. But now that leads me to the other thing I've been thinking about a lot, which is that the, as we get older, uh, you, when you're younger, what you're supposed to do is look at all the different things that you can do. And right. Try I used everything. to think when you're younger meant when you're 15, but I, I still think now that I look in perspective and I read stuff from John Maxwell, who's 70 years old, 78 years old, or whatever. I'm still I'm still in the young phase, and I'm still. Conducting and composing and teaching and doing a whole bunch of playing, doing a whole bunch of different things, uh, and still figuring out what is my thing and what what am I going to focus in on and hone in on and be amazing at. Um, and so, yes, for an eighty-year-old, okay, for a sixty-year-old, then if you can do one thing really well, then just do that one thing really well because it's not like uh, it's not like you're going to change the world in thirty years because you'll be dead. But it, for a person our age, I, I don't think. That is, I don't think that that's ever the right point of view. I, I think that's interesting, but I'm also like, I, I don't know if we're in the minority because I'm like, there are people that I know who I'm like, that's the, that's the thing that they do. Like it's that. You mean they're not growing and they're not, they're not reaching their, they're not maximizing their potential. No, I just mean they've found something that they're good at and they're doing that thing. At our age. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I could are those think people of, are those the ones that are going to change the world? Maybe. I mean, you can change. This is boring, but you can change the world <laughs> through consistently showing up to something that you're good at every day. Are they gonna, the <laughs> ones that are going to change the world as much as other people? <laughs> you take two people, and one of them is maximizing their potential, and they're trying new things, and they're uh, maybe not perfect at everything they try, but they're they're at least giving it their all. And the, another person who does who just does one thing that they're good at when when they're twenty and sticks with it for the rest of their life, which one by the end of their life is going to have achieved more? I don't know. I'm thinking that one who's done the one thing, because that other person, what if they, you know, never get around? They fail at this and fail at that and try this and try that, and then they never, mm. you know, get really good. They've wasted fifteen years on the thing that uh, doing all these other things that they had no business doing. Like learning guitar in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> but I think I think when you learn new things, when you it's the idea of a liberal arts degree, which we both have, right? I have the first half of it. You have the liberal ah. Uh? <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. You have a liberal degree. I don't know what you mean by that. Well, I don't know. I went to a liberal arts college, but then I just have a bachelor of arts. Does that mean I have a liberal arts degree? Yeah. Liberal arts degree basically means that you studied some English and you studied some history and you oh, studied well, some science. Who doesn't have that? Um, people that went to technical schools and people that don't, oh. don't have degrees. Sure. Um, but the reason... <laughs> okay, well, obviously. <laughs> the, but the reason that you get a liberal arts degree is so that you have uh, per, different perspectives. We talked about perspectives before. Is that you can see the world... Now you can see the world from a guitar player's point of view. 
Um, whereas before you could not have because you didn't and like uh, people go like oh my gosh it's just magic what they can do and now you know it's not magic okay this angle I can get on board with because if I'm going to do that and I'm going to have all these different perspectives of people then that will be make, make me better at what I want to do but what I want to do has to do with people and so it helps me relate to them better doesn't everything have to do with people I don't know what about you know like data mining uh, hold on what is data mining? I don't know. Something with data. <laughs> you mine it. But you always have to, you have a boss. You have to work with people. Um, yeah, he or she may or may not be a guitar player. And I, I also think we're talking about knowledge work. I mean, if you are a landscaper and that's all you ever really do, and you don't want to be your own boss of your landscaping company, you just want to uh, dig ditches and uh, make flowers look good, then I guess this doesn't apply. I feel like... That's very degrading to landscapers. <laughs> um, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, maybe data mining is the same way. There's probably people who work on computers all day long who aren't actually being creative, who don't have to use a different perspective. We are, we are, I don't know if we're in the minority. Is knowledge work? I don't know. But I, I know this. I want to do the work of knowledge work, and I think you do too, which is where we have ideas and where we deal with lots of different subjects. And because we're in that situation, um, we I think it's better for us to look at things from every perspective that we can and not like the jack of all. I used to think, oh, jack of all trades, and then, oh, master of none. That's a bad. Like, I wanted to be a jack of all trades until I heard the phrase master of none. And I was like, like well, I don't want it to be that. But I think when you're in your in your 20s and 30s you have to be the jack of all trades and then you become the master of so you think it's jack of all trades then then master, master one of one maybe two yeah. <laughs> master one to two well and then sometimes you you know change your careers and mm-hmm. you know you're a real estate tycoon then you become the president <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh yeah so i i that's why i think if you're going to be a knowledge worker if you're going to uh to work with ideas and with people then you have to uh, try it a lot. You have to do a lot of things. Let's let's just take a let's pick a job. Uh, what like what, what I what I want to do? Well, let's say what I do. I'm an orchestra director. Do I have I do I have to have played all the instruments I have? Probably not. Uh, but I feel like my background with trumpet and trombone will come in useful when I do full orchestra stuff. And uh, my background with guitar. Uh, I think that helps with music theory, but then like go even crazier stuff outside of that, uh, listening or, uh, poetry or, you know, novels, reading uh, English and stuff like that. I think that helps with different parts of, um, knowing where the music comes from and knowing the feelings behind it and being able to express myself and being able to, to talk in front of a rehearsal. And then the leadership stuff that I'm doing is, uh, I think like there's so many things that I've done and then even the crazier stuff, like I like science. Uh, and I, I've watched a lot of YouTube videos about that. I just feel like all of it kind of comes together to, to form a more rounded person and a person who's going to be better at that job than a person who only knows orchestra. Mm-hmm. Like if a person just studied, if a person spent all of their time just studying orchestra, then they're, then they're not going to be able to, then I don't think they'll be as good an orchestra director as me. Okay. So I, okay. So here's a comparison. Mm-hmm. When we were in high school, I played clarinet and there was a clarinet player who was first chair Mm -hmm. who was essentially a robot. Am I I right? I remember her. Yes. It like a feels like a robot. Yes. And basically only focused on the 
clarinet and the music and practicing and getting that part down and being perfect at that. I mean, she was a near perfect player. Right. And then there's me, a couple of chairs lower, who, yes, did the practicing, cared about that, but also cared about relationships with people and mm-hmm. getting to know our directors and things like that. And so I, I can see it e- even there that, yes, technically she was probably better at clarinet, but I was a better well-rounded individual as a high school clarinet player mm-hmm. because I didn't only focus on the clarinet. And maybe she's, you know, the landscaper of clarinet players. <laughs> Like you can be a leader and you uh, can do different things than she can. It doesn't make you better. It doesn't make her better. I guess you're just two different people with two different goals and ways of approaching things. Mm-hmm. I listened or watched a YouTube video recently that was really interesting where musicians are talking about uh, having friends outside of music or doing things outside of music. And uh, they talk about, because like, if you're if you're a pro level musician or if you want to be a pro level musician, you spend hours practicing. Like you spend twelve hours a day in a practice room just practicing. Like no no joke, that's what you do. You um, and then the rest of the time you spend doing you know music theory homework. Um, but they were talking about how it's really important to get out there and to do other things because when you are playing music, you're not just playing the notes. You have to uh, you have to you have to have lived life because music your music is alive like music comes from life it comes from feeling it comes from emotion it comes from your heart and if you're not working on your heart if you're not working on your soul then you're just a robot playing notes on a page mm-hmm. and notes on a page is not what music is music is you know hopefully way, way more than that especially to professional musicians okay but i mean there's there's difference in knowing a lot about a lot of things and studying a lot and reading a lot versus trying a lot. Cause none of that, I mean, me reading about whatever isn't going to help me not be a perfectionist. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I should try more. You're right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Cause I don't, I mean, I think, yeah, if the, if the point is to learn through failure, the point, I mean, that doesn't mean, knowing about failure or knowing about science or whatever it means conducting experiments in your kitchen and <laughs> blowing something up yeah it means actually doing science yes yeah okay because to me i'm like that sure i'm on board with that yes i can read poetry and hedge some bushes is that what you call it trim some hedges oh <laughs> see i need to learn that uh-huh. um yeah those, those things i'm like okay but yeah, actually doing things that I'm bad at and doing things that are scary and doing things that I'm not perfect at and maybe can never be perfect at, that for me is where the growth would be. I guess I'd have to think about this more. Uh, I, I, my Facebook status recently about what should I do, what should I do that you have done? Mm-hmm. And someone said, do something that you're afraid to do. And I was like, no, that's the only thing I don't want to do <laughs> is things that I'm afraid to do. Um, but I think it, I think that's an interesting perspective. Doing things that I otherwise would not do will lead me. I, I think that's the same idea. I, I well, wonder- it's why I challenged Ella today to run out in the middle of the rainstorm because it's like Nora would do that and it would be natural for her to be like, this is fun. But mm-hmm. Ella is more like me and like, well, no, because I had a plan and my hair was mm-hmm. going to be dry and I was going to wear these pants and, and just has everything planned out. And so there's something to that spontaneity that 
you know, she need because, and I see that, and I'm like, she needs that, which mm-hmm. means I need that too. Not but necessarily running in the rain. You didn't run out in the rain. I would have if she would have. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, things like that that get us outside of who we actually are, like trying things that we're afraid of or trying things that we'll fail at. Hmm. So what are the things? So trying the guitar is the thing that you tried. Definitely. What other things? I'm still trying. That you are still trying. <laughs> like wow. I, I don't know if you're trying. I think you're succeeding. Oh, thank you. What well, What are other things that that I should be failing at? What are other things that you should be failing at mm. so that we are pushing our limits? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've I'm really excited about my master's program. I probably won't be as excited when it starts. I'm a week Why? away now. Um, cause I'm like very excited. I'm like as excited as you could be for anything. You don't think it'll live up to your expectations? I don't see how it could. I'm so excited. <laughs> well, why don't you lower your expectations? Cause you said earlier, if you lower the bar, you said something, I've forgotten it now, but yeah. Um, then you won't be disappointed. True. I'll try. Um, well, baking is one thing, right? That I've always said, I hate, I hate baking. I like cooking, hate baking. And it's because it turns out badly because mm-hmm. I can't do it well. Because you're not perfect. Yes. Because neither are the cookies and or cakes and or whatever I'm making. I still don't understand that. I don't. <laughs> well, last time I, and I don't either. Cause I'm a very precise person. I can tell you where you're missing a comma from a mile but, away. But you put a, so, a soda put a, instead of a powder. I put a half a stick of butter instead of a full stick. How did, How? It's just, it's like. How could you put only a half a stick of butter when it says a full stick of butter? Well, because I, it said half a cup and I was like, oh, half a, I just saw half and I just, I don't know. It's like. It's just not perfection. Not, that's details. It is details, but I just think I just don't. I mean, no one's ever taught me how to bake. It's like, do you get all the ingredients out and do you measure them out beforehand? So you just all dump them in. I mean, that's like what t- tasty videos do on Facebook. So it's ignorance. Yes. Um. I mean, I, I don't think it matters. It? it probably doesn't, but I just need it like tried and true. Hey, this is the way to do it. Well, do you think you should have someone like come help you? Someone that knows how to bake? <laughs> well, if it's ignorance, seriously. No, it's, it's if it's ignorance, all you need is just one person to tell you what like, to do. Do you think you should have someone help you? <laughs> yeah, probably. I probably just need to come That's over like here. That's like getting a guitar and saying, I'm just putting my fingers down and it's making weird <laughs> notes. I don't know why. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think you just need someone. Yeah, I'll get a baking lesson. Yeah, just one baking lesson is all you need. Okay, what are you going to fail at? Ooh. So I, the reason I talk about the master's degree is like I, I'm trying to push myself with that, but I'm not sure how much that's going to. Oh, no, that's not pushing yourself. Well, I want to push myself in that direction. Well, sure, go there, but then do I, something else. I do have on my iPad, I have some Beethoven scores I've downloaded, and I have the A word set up to be able to play a playlist of Beethoven symphonies. It's not easy to conduct a Beethoven symphony. So that's one of the things that I want to push myself with is on the conducting front. Mm. Oh, reading tenor clef, reading alto clef. Oh, I need to do that. That That is what I will fail at. Playing scores on the piano. Yeah. Okay. That's that's in the conducting class I'm about to do. And that's not going to be easy. All right. Let's fail. I guess I'm going to. I'm pushing my limits. Do you uh, struggle with perfectionism at all? No. Isn't it weird how we can be raised in the same household and by both of our parents who I would say neither are perfectionists? No, they're not perfectionists. Dad is definitely, I mean, more inclined to be than than mom. Hmm. But then here I am. Look at his handwriting. Um, And look at my handwriting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, for everyone, dad's handwriting is great and mine's bad. Yeah, (laughs) right. I know that. Yes. Um, I do have, I, I can't, if I'm cleaning the kitchen, 
I cannot have a speck on the counter. It has to be perfect. Uh, if I'm doing my laundry, every single piece of my laundry needs to be done. Oh, wow. If I'm cleaning off my windshield, every speck has to be off my windshield. One day, one day I was like, my car is going to be perfect after today. And there was like a little, a little chip on my windshield. And I almost went to one of those places. It charges you a whole bunch of money to replace little chips in your windshield because I wanted it to be perfect. But then I was like, no, I'm, I'm poor. I can't do that. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but I can go for a month without, with my windshield being crappy and with being, there being lots of specs on the counter. Oh, I got to tell you, I today got to vacuum out my car for the first time since coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And it, I was like, wow, okay. feels I feel okay. It feels good. Yes. I found something to clean. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think it's interesting. And our, our parents didn't raise us. I mean, we didn't get in trouble if we weren't perfect no i mean it wasn't we weren't like a household where like you have to practice violin 45 hours a day and <laughs> whatever like we weren't we and so i it's i'm just naturally inclined to do that and to yeah be that, way. that was gonna be one of my questions is where do you think it comes from your just your personality just yep. how you're born i was born how your this brain way. was from the womb I'm on the right track baby i was born this way is that from a taylor swift song it's not taylor swift <laughs> but it is a song um yeah 100% is just how i'm wired do you think there are upsides to that? Sure. Let me think about that. <laughs> yeah. I think the things that I do, I do well. And and I get that comment a lot. And it, I don't mean to be like, oh, toot toot. But like, <laughs> people are like, wow, you can do a lot of things really well. And, and in my mind now, I'm like, that's because they're the only things I do. There are other people that aren't perfectionists that do that. Well, you're, you're better than me a lot of things. So do you... Do you ever feel like you have to fake it at all because you want to be looked at as perfect or because you want to feel like you're perfect? Oh, that's interesting. Because I am very honest. When I, I will I will say I'm bad at that. I will mumble. I will I will stop. <laughs> I will stop speaking loudly in the middle of a sentence because I think, you know what? That sentence was stupid. Uh, <laughs> I second guess myself all the time. And you seem to never second guess yourself. I think, well, that's, is that a good thing? Thank you. I don't know. I... I think that's the thing is like, I don't, it's, I'm not thinking about other people and letting them down and putting on airs for them. It is my own inner critic. Right. Is, I mean, that's, I feel like that's the thing that I'm up against. But do you try to fake out your own inner critic? Like if I don't admit to myself that that wasn't perfect, then I won't have to have the feeling that I'm not perfect. No, because I think even when you can't fool yourself. No. Cause even when by anyone else's standards or maybe even by my own, I'm like, yeah, okay, that's as close to perfect as I can get. And it's like, well, no, you could have done that differently. You could have done that better. You could have changed that, done that. I mean, there's still, I feel like there's always a laundry list in my head. It's really weird the different kinds of confidence we have. Because you have a different, you have, you're confident. Mm-hmm. And I'm confident. But it's in com- two completely different ways. How? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm very quick to say the thing that I'm in the, in the middle of, I'm really bad at. I'm, I guess I'm quick to say... As I'm doing something, how bad I am, but but later, uh, but I but I will. I, okay, I'm confident in my future self. I think <laughs> I think yeah, okay, I'll be I'll be able to do that. That's true. And then in the at the end, the very end, I'll look back and say, yeah, okay, I did that. Yes. But while I'm doing it, I'm just like, oh gosh, this isn't good. Oh, this I don't know, and I have to think. And I have to like put myself in that situation of I can do this. Yeah. And at the end, this is all going to look great. And then I'm like, but that wasn't good. And oh, why did I do that? And mm. mm-hmm. 
And I don't, I don't think it's the same way that you're confident. How am I confident? I think you have a confidence of when you're doing something, you know, it's perfect. You're like, I'm, I'm perfect at this. So here I am. But I, I definitely struggle with the confidence in my future self. When you said that, I was like, oh man, I wish I had that. Mm -hmm. Every, and you know this, everything that I'm up against or like, um, like need to do or whatever. I'm like, I can't do that. My first reaction is be like, no, there's no way I could possibly do that. And that's the critic saying like, well, you're going to fail big time on this one. Right. But yeah, I need to just be like, okay, no, I'll just go for it. Yeah. I believe in that Hillary. When she gets there, she'll have it done. Yeah. My critic is not around when I'm starting. <laughs> That's And that is admirable. It's like, you're going to do a great job with this. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. okay, thanks. I just, like, I'm laughing because I cannot imagine my inner voice saying that to me. Really? Ever. Really? Ne- I'm like, yeah. God, that sounds like vacation. Well, then how do you like preach a ser- You preach a sermon so well. Before you start, you're not like... Yeah, I can preach a sermon. I got I got this sermon. I got sermons all day. Um that felt that felt different. That feels different for me. I think cuz that's the thing. That's your wheelhouse? Yeah, that's the thing of like What does a wheelhouse mean? <laughs> where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Let's look up the etymology of wheelhouse. Okay. I am interested. Um, but no, that, I'm That's like, your bread and butter? That's my master of one. That's going to be my one to two uh-huh. things. And so yeah, that one, that one, okay, it does say it to, yeah, my, my critic says like, yeah, okay, you can do that. But for everything else, you're like, mm. Literally everything else. I would love if Hillary inside, internally would say, yeah, you're going to be great. Yeah. I've never said that to myself. It It is, it's a nice feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Wish you could have it. But like, I, yeah, I have the thought all the time, like if I just, if I try this, I'm going to be, I'm going to be great at it. No. But Never. here's the thing. Is there anything you have tried really hard at and, and failed? No. And that, same, same here. I know that. And yet, you know, here we are still every time. It's like prison Interesting. up there. So you can't, you can't like use the logical. No. No. Because logically, you know. Yes, I know. If you try something yes. and you try really hard. And, I, and a lot of times I have to tell myself like. Have you ever not been able to do it before? No. You've always been able to figure it out. And mm-hmm. I, yes, I know that and I hear that and I'm still like, you can't do that. Yeah. Next time you go bowling, you need to try to be, you try to bowl 300. Do you think, I bet you could bowl 300 if you spent some time and worked at it and took some lessons and you watched some YouTube videos and you went and practiced, you'd be amazing, an amazing bowler. Yeah. If I want, I mean, that's not really like a life I want for myself. <laughs> you don't want to be a PBA uh, professional? No. I think it goes back to like, that's why guitar is appealing because it's like, okay, people need, I mean, that's like a useful skill, but like bowling, no one's like, help. Interesting. Is anyone really good at bowling? And, and also you don't get the, you know. <laughs> I can see that. Okay. That often of like, oh, you know what we should do? We should go bowling. Like people don't really say that. Oh, we should go bowling. And see, it goes back to then me <laughs> saying it's only fun if I can do it well. Because that's... Do you not think bowling's fun? No. Interesting, because you're not good at it. Yes. Well, what yeah, a I, bad I, life. <laughs> I always think, yeah, I always think, oh, I can be good at that, so it's going to be fun. Like when we went axe throwing for the first time, uh-huh. uh, and I was like... I could probably be a good extra. There's that optimistic. You don't even have an inner critic. You have an inner biggest fan. But while I'm doing it, there's a huge inner critic the whole time. Yeah. Saying, what are you saying? It's your inner cheerleader. I think it's also my, like when you're preaching, your brain doesn't start talking to you while you're preaching. It did this time. This, so I preached at church and it was like, 
I don't, this hasn't happened before. Cause I, I mean, usually on Wednesday nights, it's like <laughs> my brain is in a million places. Like, okay, Jack is back on the back row making funny faces. Mac and Parker won't stop talking. Like it's like trying to keep up with all that's happening. Right. But preaching with, to a room full of no one, mm-hmm. it was really weird. Mm-hmm. And so the fact where like at some point, a couple of times my brain like went in slow motion and it was like, yeah, no, you're doing this. Like you, you're doing a good job. Like you're, you're making sense and you're here. We are. The lights are on. The cameras on. We're actually going. I'm talking right now, but I'm thinking while I'm talking. How is this working? It was weird. It was like, uh, I'm words are coming out of my mouth and they're not the same ones that are in my head. Mm -hmm. And they're nice words, which was very kind. That's good. I wish I had those nice words going on during, during, uh, when I, whenever I'm trying to do something, Mm -hmm. whenever I'm trying to talk. Yeah, I've thought about uh, I've thought about whenever before I have big important things that I'm doing, like if I have an interview or if I a concert, uh, not necessarily when I'm talking, really. Oh, yeah. Um, that I I should maybe try meditating, uh, clear my brain a little bit. Before I think that's that. a good idea for you because you, I was thinking that earlier when you were talking about uh, something scheduling all your minutes. Oh, when you were listening to podcasts when you were cleaning and doing the dishes, like how many silent moments in your brain do you have you know in a month i have to be very particular about that um because if i have none then my brain uh it kind of goes into overdrive Mm -hmm. and i can't just stop and think it happened the other day literally i could i wanted to sit down at the computer and do work and my brain kept going oh but i gotta check this gotta check this gotta do that good and it was just going too fast and so i put my white noise in my ears and I sat there and closed my eyes and tried to like I I, and I also had one too many cups of coffee that day, um, and I tried to think about because when you're meditating, you're supposed to think about your breathing, and you're supposed to like guide your brain gently back to your breath. <laughs> and so I did that, and it was like crazy that it, every like twice a second I had to guide my brain back to my breath, yeah. like over and over and over again. And then Nora tapped on my heart and said, "Deb, what are you doing?" <laughs> Did you say I'm trying to bring my brain back to my breath? I was like, what? Because I don't. I, yeah. How do you? Explain I don't. That? I don't lie to my kids. I pride myself on that. So I said, uh, I'm meditating, and she was like, What's that? <laughs> like I'm thinking about my breath, and she said, That's silly. <laughs> it is okay, but here's that's really funny. Even when it was happening, though, you still had white noise playing in your ears. Like that's because otherwise I, my brain would be completely because Ella was playing right in front of me and making noise and okay. But let's imagine loud. that you're in a house by yourself and it's completely quiet. I wouldn't need white noise. Yeah, white noise. Okay. White noise to me is nothing. It is the way, a way to get nothing in my ears when there are things going on. But it's something. But it's a way to create nothing. Right. Okay. Yeah. There. Yeah. Why? Yeah. It's it's not anything because because what your brain does is it cancels it out it's mm-hmm. like a, if you hear the same thing exact same thing it just says okay nothing's happening here so yeah the white noise is, is the same i could do that in, in an empty house just as easily um but i don't have the benefit of ever being in an empty house so mm-hmm. well it's not a benefit who wants to be in an empty house <laughs> so yeah i think I'm, i am I will try before big things i will try meditation so it's that a good I can, idea so that i can talk because like for this Right now I'm talking and I stumble over myself all the time and I have to edit it and I think, oh gosh, oh, I'm such a bad talker. But then I have to realize I've always been this bad of a talker and the people know what I sound like and I can't hide it. That's true. So the only option is to change it. I've thought about in this, have you ever played The Sims? Yeah. It's the best video game of all time. I really think I want to, I want to get it out again and play some Sims again, but I don't, it doesn't, 
but they don't. You can't play Sims Three on a Mac. Um, I I've thought about the skills that you have to practice in the Sims, and one of them is charisma. And to practice charisma, like the only thing you can do really um, is to stand in front of a mirror and uh, practice your speech. And I was like, I need to do that, but I also would feel very awkward doing that. You know what? I think it's a great idea. Maybe okay. Maybe I'll turn some music on the A word in the, uh, in the living room, and I'll go in the bathroom. And because I I can't with all my family in the room, I can't do that. No, that's that would be weird. Yeah, to an audience. Like we said, I don't ever have a house to myself alone. Those birds, though. No, <laughs> I think that's a great idea. I because I think some people are more naturally. I mean, they're naturally inclined to be charismatic speakers, and like you're just both in the way they sound and the way they talk but also in the way they move and their expressions and things like that and i definitely think that's something you can practice good for you sims for teaching a generation sims, sims taught me a lot save money <laughs> uh you gotta go work hard you gotta make friends with your bosses all those things do you make friends with your boss well i guess you do that's a i do i try to you should write a book life lessons i learned from the sims i'm sure it's already been written Maybe I'll look it up. Maybe I'll try to write that book. Hold on. That's interesting. Remind me to write the book, Life Lessons I Learned from the Sims. <laughs> yeah, I think you should practice charisma. Yeah, I, and I also think that's something that you could get feedback on. You could ask Beth, hey, am I, is this... Oh my gosh, these birds. <laughs> I think I'm not going to edit them out. I don't think you should. No, I think this is part of being, uh, hey brother, hey sister, hey birds. <laughs> Did we find the episode title? Yes. <laughs> hey, brother, hey, sister, hey, birds. I hope you can hear them. Though. Hey, I mean, brother, hey, sister, hey, birds, so it's your turn. very loudly. Yeah. Speaking of birds, there's a bird in my office, well, in the ceiling above it, mm. and it was chirping, and it was so annoying, and I thought it couldn't get worse. Then it died. Oh. Now it smells. Oh. Yep. You wished it was it would die, and then it did, and you're like, oh, I wish it wouldn't die. I wish I could go back in time and tell Hillary, don't wish it would die. This is why you need AirPods. A bird's chirping, you just put your AirPods in, you don't have to wish her in the die, and then you're good. Well, I have AirPods, just not the air noise counseling, canceling. White noise. Covers it up. Um, you were going to say something about Beth and the Sims? Oh, no, Beth can give you feedback on your charisma level. Charisma. Yeah, yes. Charisma... Is definitely I I realized that I needed to work on that when I went to Allstate and watched it. I was like, well, I'm gonna go watch an awesome rehearsal technique. Like this guy who is, you know, he's a composer and he also travels the country doing rehearsals with high school orchestras. And let's go watch it. Like, can what? How is he conducting better than me? What is he doing better than me? And I found out the thing that he does better than me is he looks real good, <laughs> and he's very uh, he's very fit. And he's very uh, stylish, and he commands attention. Mm. He Whatever room that guy walks in, everyone's going to look at him. And it's not confidence, because I have confidence. Yes. Um, yes. Because I was talking to someone else about it later who said, oh, yeah, just you got to have confidence. Like, no, I, you don't understand me. I got confidence. Uh, it is, it's charisma. Yep. And, I, you know, I like I said before, I think I can be great at anything that I try. Which means I can command attention when I walk into a room, not just because of you know my abilities and my uh, and my reputation, but because of my charisma, because of the way that I carry myself and the way that I talk. And can't wait to see Charismatic West. There are there are people that I'm like, they walk into a room and like it just changes the energy of the room. Mm-hmm. 
Now, here's a question because I, the reason I have never done that and never been like that is because I want to feel real. And I think almost more than anything else, I want to be real. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't care about being real. A lot of people would rather be fake and perfect or a lot of people would rather be uh, fake and happy. But I want to first be real to myself. That's why so, you told Nora that you were meditating. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's why I stop myself in the middle of sentences because if I think that what I'm saying is dumb, then I don't want to come off like what I, I think what I'm saying is correct. Um, so is is being charismatic and practicing that, is that going to be a problem? Is that going to... That's a good question. Is that... Un, does that disreal? Does that conflict with my... Unreal? That's not who you are at your most authentic self. Exactly. That's true, but I don't know. I mean, if it's an area that you do have potential. I'll think about that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I think if you gained charisma but had to lose something else, then that's not the most real. But if you can just gain charisma and strengthen the charisma muscle, maybe. You know, you have charisma. It's hard to know that you do, you know? Really? Well, that's because you're not confident before you walk into a room. Well, that it's because I'm not, it's because I'm not in a room before and after. I, I mean, I'm in a room after I walk in, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not in a room before it. So I don't know. Yeah. 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 You have charisma. When you walk in, people know that you're there when you want to, you don't always want to. That's interesting. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's, I've heard that, but something I need it's, to learn hard, from you. it's hard to know. All right. Is it time for a life-changing idea? Yeah. Should we do another life-changing idea? Yeah, a second. A Let's second change our lives for a second time. Ending life-changing idea. Oh, that's right. Not a life-ending life-changing idea, I hope. Okay, this is a long one. It's from the latest book I've been reading, and I wanted to talk to you about it, so maybe this will turn into a little bit of a conversation. Okay, watch your inflection as you read. Uh, what does a growth environment look like? Others are ahead of me. I'm continually challenged. My focus is forward. The atmosphere is affirming. I'm often out of my comfort zone. I wake up excited. Failure is not my enemy. Others are growing. People desire change. Growth is modeled and expected. It's a lot of stuff there. Is this like multiple choice? Like I'm supposed to pick? It's a list. Or is it like it has to be all of these? All these things is what a growth environment looks like. My gosh. Yeah. A growth environment meaning in like an atmosphere a way a place where you can feel like you're able to grow right or a place where that's encouraging and challenging you to grow like a workplace or uh, I think a workplace is the ideal setting okay for what for what he's talking about there but I think it works I think it works in everything I think this will work with our life group as well and things like that I think I think I've never had more than maybe half so you're not growing <laughs> are, are others ahead of you well that that's got, don't answer that <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's going to mean to other people listening. Because if you're like, uh, no, no one's ever heard of me. <laughs> I'm number one. But I, I think that's a, a really important thing. Well, I also think it's interesting for a position like yours where, like, it's hard for you to know because you're the only one in the room. Yeah, but I am I work, I have colleagues. I have band directors who are better than me at some things. Yeah. And, and the orchestra directors at the other schools who I talk to and who are better than me at some things. So. What do you do when you're the boss and there's no one ahead of you? Find another boss of another. Um, you can hire. You know, if you're the CEO, you hire some VPs who are better than you, even uh, than the things that you need to work on. I think that you can always find someone better than you. There's only one person that's the best. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know who they are. 
some kid in, in China, eight-year-old. But I am continually challenged. There's something that uh, mm-hmm. that we just talked about. Yeah. My focus is forward. I think that's uh, that's comes natural to me. It's also it's also required in a job. You know, you have to make plans for events or things in the future. I don't. I mean, I think for I think for your job, you could be as backward facing as any other job there ever was. You could just say you, you, all you could do is talk about the past and talk about. How, I think I think it is it is a really good thing that you are forward facing in your job. Um, the atmosphere is affirming. Mm. That's a, uh, that's the only way you're going to grow is if the atmosphere is affirming. Apart from the dead bird in the ceiling, I'd say, yeah. <laughs> I'm often out of my comfort zone. Mm. That's because you don't grow if you're not out of your comfort zone, which is, again, what we just talked about. I wake up excited. Because I think if you approach every day like, eh, whatever, it's another day, <laughs> then you're not growing, right? You have to wake up excited to do what you're going to do, which, man, I know I wake up excited. Failure of, well, <laughs> failure is not my enemy. Um, others are growing. I, I think like I said that. you can't be the only one growing. I like it. People desire change. Mm. That's hard. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't desire change. So we do with those people. You get rid of them. Um, I mean, I guess I, he's also the boss, the guy who wrote this book. He's, he's the CEO, so he can, he can get rid of them. But yeah. I guess if you, people don't desire change, then you can leave. Growth is modeled and expected. Yeah. So all these are, you, you have to make a plan to grow as, as he has said and as I have said. It's good. On this podcast. So there's your plan. Be in, be, in a, be in a place like that. And if you're a leader, make a place like that for people that are growing. I like it. Mm-hmm.